Looks like something's happening. This is an intercity train to Busan. Our next stops are Incheon, Dajon, Dagu, and Kimhe. There is a restaurant car on the train. Have a pleasant. <laughs> Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Karri Oyala. My co-host is Henrik Telki. Welcome to Train to Busan. Yep, we are finally starting to actually reach the films on the franchise that I would believe our listeners actually would like us to to cover. Yeah, this is the first zombie trilogy for sure in South Korea. And was a smash hit when it came out four years ago. There's several levels to this film. Or at least I would say that this it's a more cohesive unit in what it's trying to say to the audience than the last one. Most definitely. That That's one of the... Uh, got the main points that I, I too would like to start this episode, stating that uh, unlike the previous Seal Station, with which we had a lot of problems when it came to theme and and message, uh, Train to Busan is a hell of a lot more coherent in in what it wants to say and how it goes and says it. If you haven't listened to this product before, this is a mostly international cinema deep-diving film podcast, now on episode 103. And currently we are going through this trilogy of Soul Station, Train to Busan, and we hope to also cover Peninsula at some point. How does it look like, Henrik? Well, still, still doable, still doable, even though I am not exactly wild. About the possibility, I, from the two of us, I am the more hesitant when it comes to covering currently still on cinema releases. But I, I do kind of understand your point that if if we want to kind of a, uh, provide on occasion content for our listeners, we have to every now and now and then at least look at a film that is actually still going on in the theatres when we are speaking of it. There is this, and there might be several topical layers here, for example, of course. We are living in the times of plague and looking at a zombie film. What's your history with Train to Busan, Henrik? I saw it once after it had already left the theatres. Uh, in my case, this was once again one of those occasions where I, I saw the movie after I had first encountered the enormous hype that, that sur- surrounds the picture. Uh, Train to Busan is, is the film that many have claimed is, is, is the best picture of, of the century, the best picture ever made. One of the classics there with Citizen Kane and Chinatown. 
the best zombie film ever made, best horror film ever made. Essentially, the whole the reason why cinema as an art form even exists, and many many of the points that people have brought up when when they defend this this hypistic view of of the movie is is that it it does several kind of a new and exciting things like. There is a character development. In, in your film you can have characters and they, they have an arc. And they start as one type of character and they end up being a different character. And and also the point that in, in zombie movies it is possible that, that you have like, like a shit asshole. Not, not yet infected pure human character who is just so mean vain and and selfish that he becomes is even more dangerous than the actual zombies of the film well i i think the the going overboard with the achievements of busan more are speaking to me about the fact that koreans make different kinds of films altogether than the hollywood machine does and that kind of a refreshing aspect of changing the uh, the Koreans do make films certainly uh, in a different way and I think this is the simple 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 recipe yeah that can explain the hype to a, to a certain degree but I don't know I, I, I now seen the film three times twice of them to, for, for today's episode and every time I've looked at looked Train to Busan. I've actually been more surprised exactly how American and how Hollywood the film appear feels to me. I I would say that more than you know being this weird South Korean take on on zombies. This is more of the case South Korean filmmaker trying to be more like Hollywood and more traditional zombie in entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose this is a different experience for many American moviegoers. So that's the number one appeal of Train to Busan. Something they haven't seen and it has to be granted to Korean filmmakers that they usually have the filmmaking basics quite uh, well in their grip. Yeah, that's actually something that I myself have a small problem with because when I, I look at Train to Busan... I actually see more of a Hollywood zombie film than anything, you know, super weird South Korean never seen before stuff. When I, uh, when I, if I can me, interrupt in in one way, I the the way when I'm talking about them them kind of having a good grip of this, I think they are building their characters in many places better than they might do in uh, in your average. American zombie flick. I wouldn't say that. I, I, I've seen this, you know, a asshole turns into a good guy narrative in, in uh, American zombie media quite many times. If you ask me, to me, Train to Busan is, is something, if not precisely, South Korean filmmaking trying to emulate and be more traditional Hollywood film. Yes, and at the same time, I think the characters have more arc than in a average horror film. I feel that this is one of the things that horror films nowadays fail a lot. They are just acting as kind of a meat 
something to munch on by the zombies or your antagonist. Whereas here we have uh, even kind of a political and societal takes on the character arcs. And what, where this film mostly excels, of course, I would say, is, is the pace that it keeps you going. Yeah, the, the pa- pa- pacing works. Although that too has been seen in Western zombie media before. Mm. And also, when it comes to the character arcs, I really don't see what is supposed to be so revolutionary here. Okay, let's dive into everything. In fact, I was kind of thinking of doing the some kind of a scene-by-scene scene today, because I do have quite a bit to say about individual individual scenes, unlike in Soul Station, if that's okay with you. Go ahead. Okay. The film starts with the league. There's a zombie outbreak that is left unexplained, but there's some kind of a problems. I, I suppose you're jumping into the one-day economy poo-poo <laughs> argument that uh, something is not quite okay, but it's not... Uh, explain further fine by me well uh, actually the the checkpoint that they are setting up so going simply by dialogue it would appear that this is kind of a more of a regular inconvenience and most definitely wouldn't have been the first leak that the factory has had the the driver here is is not really at all surprised by the fact that there appears to be what, what, what is referred as a small league and the, the whole tone of the conversation seem, seems to at least for me reads more in the vein of what yet again another one can we have like one Tuesday without a league at the factory is that too much to ask I'm in hurry type of situation yeah and I like the irony that this passerby with the truck is doing with the quote what a really rough day for me well, Henrik what about the deer I think he had a pretty rough day as well the second question that could be asked is does the deer get infected by the car hit by any chance I well you know to, to be a really revolutionary zombie media that's actually one case where the film might excel this might be the first zombie film I've seen where car bites a living the tissue and turns it into zombie right and does this actually constitute to an animal hit and run which is filmed by two security cameras no less because if you check the sign post there you have at least one or two cameras there filming everything and i think the animal activists might be really excited about this case and then again any animal hit and run is is kind of like your go-to vehicle crime it, it's it's so ordinary that i would say nobody bats an eye nobody bats an eye even in finland and we are supposed to be like super liberal pizza cooks in here yeah well if it were a cat you might just save a life most most definitely but overall overall uh animal hidden runs i i really don't see anybody caring about that even though that is precisely what happens in the scene but henrik is this uh is this deer resurrection funny or not i have seen two takes on this that it's absolutely hilarious that something so innocent looking and kind of a normally head shaking deer there kind of a gathering him or herself 
Is it, is it is it too funny to be scary? I actually find it quite disturbing myself. Not mm. because it's it's a deer that got run over. Like who hasn't run over a deer in, in his or her lifetime? I, I I have one one of those crashes on on my record also, and I don't even have a license. So you know, go figure. But the way that, that's actually one of, one of the aspects that I really did like. In, in Train to Busan, and where it might be made, might be treading some new ground, is the movement of the zombies, which is kind of a more marionette-like, kind of a, like there's there would be invisible strings pulling the zombies and moving them for, uh, from place to place, and that's yeah. that kind of that body torsionist element is is, is something that works really well in in couple of scenes in the in, in the film this this deer scene being actually one of them and I, I would say when it comes to things that really put me in with the film it it would be this or, or this body torsion that kind of worked for me the most and the best i have nothing to add i'm exactly on the same lines here including the rugby zombie where we will get soon we have some Burger King advertisement here at the office. Here we have kind of a hardworking traditional Korean workhorse. We get to do morality versus family life, uh, something like a. The... Yeah, and this is when I said that the film is a collection of things that I've seen before, also in zombie films. Well, this is where we I, I start with that argument because. Oh, hey, look, it's completely new character in zombie films. Distant father who is being distant. And also kind of shit in the way that, once again, the dad doesn't show up his kid's stupid music performances and buys the same gift every goddamn year. I've only seen this character, like, what, 1500 times already. And that's kind of what goes on with a lot of the characters with the film. Precisely the, the the same thing that it's it's an archetype that I myself I've already experienced in countless places, including Western zombie media, where these kind of characters are very prominent. And I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying I must stress out that I'm I'm not making the case that that's a bad thing that Train to Busan fails as a film because it it uses established stereotypes. I would always almost say tropes and cliches. You, you can use those, by all means. I'm not voting the film for, for doing that. All I'm saying is that when it comes to the argument that the characters are some, somehow completely new, I've never experienced this any, anywhere else, and the arcs are something that just don't happen in horror films or zombie media, I kind of have to ask, you know, citation needed. Let's give some much-needed uh, background context for this film and perhaps the director and the career that we did look on soul station partly but unfortunately i haven't seen the director's other films the fake and the king of pigs i'm very intrigued by these ideas judging from the trailer all of these films have something societal to say they're very much making a statement about something in happening in society for example the king of pigs is related to bullying and the violent consequences sometimes growing up from that bullying something 
on those scenes were reflected on from the director's own life. In the case of Train to Busan, there have been some arguments made from prominent reviewers that that this is not in the same vein as the director's previous entries, that this would be making much of a societal statements that or that it would not be making such of a well-constructed statements or strong statements as the film's prior. But then again, you give this the MV Sewell backdrop and uh, it uh, suddenly does have much needed background con- context. Is this something that is new to you? Uh, the incident is new to me. It is what the film does with the incident new to me. Yeah. Well, not, not really. Yeah. I, I, I kind of would say that if you want, want to draw comparisons between between the Train to Busan trilogy and the M- MV Soul uh, incident, I, I would almost say that, that the better place to be would be the sequel to this peninsula. At least that film has a goddamn boat in it. <coughs> yeah, sure, but here, here the boat is replaced by train. But well, let's talk yeah. talk about this incident. So this is something really heartbreaking and devastating that happened in South Korea in 2014 April, which the South Koreans seem to be suffering some kind of a collective PTSD from. A Seoul MV Seoul was a ship on its way from Incheon to Jeju Sea, or the Jeju Island, owned by Korea, on April 16, 2014, mostly carrying about way over 200 college students on a field trip. And there appeared to be confusion regarding the orders given whether the ship should be steering to the left or to the right. And there is conflicting statements on this. Nevertheless, what is absolutely clear is that the one steering the ship decided to suddenly steer the ship very sharply to the right. And as there had been made some illegal modifications to the ship a few years prior, plus this ship carrying more than three times the allowed cargo at the time, and there not being enough kind of onboard water, I don't know how this exactly, but apparently there's kind of some water uh, pockets in ships and this water pocketing was not uh, balanced in a way that would kind of support the, the normal functioning of the boat. So all this resulted into the fact that now the cargo, which was also improperly secured or not secured, went from the the center gravity to the right side of the ship, resulting in a 20 degree angle uh, tilt of the ship and suddenly it was 40 degrees tilt and 60 degrees tilt and uh, after was it two and a half hours later the ship was almost completely submerged. What makes this even more tragic is that the most of the victims were these school high school students and they were simply following the orders of what they could hear from the loudspeaker system of the ship, which told them repeatedly, stay where you are, wait for instructions or something like this. They were told to stay exactly where they are. And this is the only reason that most of them were not saved on the ship. The 
first people that were saved from the ship were the captain and some of the crew members. Apparently, at this time, it might have been so that the loudspeaker system had already uh, gotten destroyed to the point that you can't make any announcements. But nevertheless, it stands that nobody went through the trouble of just telling these kids to get the hell out of the ship, abandon ship. And add to the insult is also the fact that the Coast Guard appeared to the scene over 30 minutes after the incident was had happened or had been reported. And there had been some other fishing boats and ships in the vicinity for the Japanese and the US ships. It was told by South Korea that they can take they can take care of this, so they were not allowed to even help in the situation, probably resulting in more deaths. Three days later, also the vice principal of the school committed suicide, and in the starting phases, the media gave very conflicting accounts of this incident. First, it was informed that all students had been rescued, and was of uh, also confirmed by the police officer from Danwon Police Department. And also text messages were sent to the parents of the students by the officers working for educational department saying that all kids were indeed rescued when in fact almost all of them perished. The weirdness didn't end there after around 300 people had lost their lives in the disaster also at least two rescue divers died during the diving missions. Apparently the diving uh, situation the weather conditions were not optimal, and one of them had lost consciousness and had unexplained bloody hit in the head. One diver committed suicide two years after the incident. And of course, this this whole incident led to the impeachment and ousting of the first woman president of South Korea, Park Geun-hye. This was the worst ferry disaster in South Korea since at least the 1970s. So, putting that together with the fact that at least Seoul Station development started in 2014 and 2015, it's quite easy to say where some of the themes of the film are coming from. Train to Busan is like a collection, once again, of societal issues put on one train. Mm, yeah, uh, with that, I, I, I can see some of the themes co- coming from the Seoul in incident but I, I, once again, I, I do maintain that if you want to draw the comparison between the incident and, and this trilogy, Peninsula actually would be the one where, where maybe the influence is stronger and easier to see. In, in Train to Busan, I, I can grant it that much that there, there are some aspects that you can, you can see what happens in the film and it might elude to the, as we saw incident. Uh, like you remarked, yeah, there, there was a problem with the palace tanks, uh, with the palace tank of, of the ship. Uh, palace tank user being a compartment within the ship that is supposed to hold water in, inside of it, and it's used to palace, uh, palace and provide stability for, for the vessel. Uh, on top of that, uh, manipulating how much water there would be in the palace tank, it would also go, ma- make it easier for, for, for the ship to reduce draft when, when it enters shallow water. So when you were as, asking the meaning of that, that's g- kind of a like quick 101 to palace tanks. 
So yeah, th those those in the incident, the balance tanks were were not filled. Uh, on top of that, there were problems with with bribery and faking official documents when it came to getting the ship through inspections and gaining certificates. The crew on the ship was largely untrained, especially especially for. The, these kind of a kind of a extraordinary circumstances, they they didn't have any kind of a safety training or anything as such. On that regard, they were untrained, and and what the crew mostly was was just customer service personnel, training wise. Uh, the yeah, like you mentioned, the, one of the big problems was also the captain and crew opting to save themselves, and the and the later on the political reaction to the incident, which included arresting journalists, uh, blacklisting people, asking too many questions about the incident, and trying to dig into what happened, and uh. In, in total, giving a false presentation on what had happened and kind of a, the, the, the political leadership's uh, intentions to, to hide the truth behind the incident and, may, and harden the investigations into what has happened. From all of this, some similarities to, to Train to Busan can be seen, even though they are, I would say, Pretty damn surface level and also kind of a quick and you miss it instances. There, there is the the whole untrained crew thing going on, which you perhaps can see in the conductors and and the captain of the train in this field, who very clearly are untrained to deal with a zombie outbreak of all goddamn things. Uh, there is also the members saving themselves policy go going on, which plays with, with with some of the characters within the film. There is also the, the political reaction aspect that I, I would say most strongly plays in the background of, of, of the official story that starts to spread. In, in the film's universe, once the zombie, zombie outbreak kind of gets out of hand, that the official line for the longest time being that it's just a riot. What they are experiencing is political dissidents, and, and that, that can be kind of seen as a parallel into As the Soul incident, where the political headpieces also were trying at, at were trying to uh, hide the truth and also kind of push their own narrative. That that parallel is somewhat murky between the Saul and Train to Busan, as in Train to Busan, uh, the whole they are just rioters aspect is kind of more easier to see, seeing how the film is dealing with with the whole zombie outbreak. And finally, uh, there is the bribery falsifying documents thing. Which you kinda can believe has been going on behind the scenes of the of the film's outbreak. Uh, the, the the notion is being raised up, even though it's never actually uh, studied in in any kind of a close detail. But but the, the, it is in hinted at that the company, at least on some level. And at least the factory on some level 
is aware of, aware of the fact that the factory safety precautions are not up to the level and that there there is some problem like said i i from the opening of the film i got the i got, got the image that these leaks happening from the factory are kind of a ordinary occurrence on the territory so with that you could also see that yeah there, there is some kind of a bribery hiding the facts perhaps falsifying the official documents kind of a thing going on with the factory also maybe the hedge fund firm for which the main character works but uh, all of this I, I would say is still it, it all, all of these themes in my opinion kind of end up end in pretty quickly like they are quickly glanced over and then immediately move to the next thing mm -hmm. and therefore i i kind of i'm hesitant to say that this is any kind of a deep ex uh, examination well into, into how corruption or even capitalism works they are not this is not like a complete societal examination of the the civil incident itself at all it's like a mixture of different kind of societal issues that it's looking into and i would like to kind of shed light on my part on what i saw in train to busan hinting or possibly hinting in the civil incident one thing that is seemingly separate entirely from Sewell is, of course, the theme of poor people, which is carrying on from Soul Station here. Yeah, and in here, that theme, in at least in my opinion, is much more, more strongly handled. Right. There is this moment also in the office where, the, as we were discussing a bit, our father character is uh, selling off stocks of the company with the leak and later in the movie it kind of gets murkier because it's it's quote us who did it i suppose meaning that well we had stocks so it was horrible that we are kind of part of this whole incident or what i think that was the most ham-fisted moment of the movie and kind of a forced into it yeah yeah that that was perhaps the most hand-fisted moment I, I i do agree with you on that regard it it that that plot point would have worked better had the main character actually worked for the, uh, that that factory in some capacity but the film makes repeated remarks how the main character is just a head fund manager and therefore the he is only only tied to the factory itself as as an outside hedge fund manager and it's it, it, it's not like you are some kind of a middle tier a corporate tycoon or or have a seat in the board of, of the factory and you are making these decisions yourself no and the goal of the father from the f film's start is pretty much win the daughter's trust at least as soon as he decides that okay we're going to take the train to busan it's kind of when the father wants to be the really great father that the daughter all the time is wishing for the father to be this uh, character is expertly played by the actress 
Of course, in places, quite often the character also is conveyed as kind of a too smart, perhaps, for her age. But apart from that, all the emotional parts really hit high, especially at the end of the film. There is uh, the bloodsucker zombies and kind of the bloodsucker father theme. So, so the more the more that you misbehave and kind of mismanage people or or you disregard people, the more you'll be the bloodsucker and will cause further bloodsuckers. For example, the COO who causes so many unnecessary deaths at the end of the film. Yeah, to to me the main kind of aspect when it comes to the main character is that the main character is is kind of a it's a study on three aspects of of masculinity like what it mean what does masculinity mean and kind of what it means to be a man because there are kind of a there are male characters in this film which kind of a work as a representatives of each of the three aspects. There is the purely logic-driven performance people, who is the dad in the beginning of the film and the asshole COO. Um, and these, with these two characters, you you kind of have, have from the start you have the parallel that the COO is is kind of the future of the distant father. If the distant father somehow doesn't find the way to well fix his head, if if the main character would would continue on on the path that he starts on with, he would become just as despicable person as as the COO of the film. And this is kind of highlighted by the fact that they both dress the same. They both have the dark business attire. And then there is the much more softer emotional and carrying side of masculinity. This would, this especially being the other dad on the train, Sang Wa, and also the young kid from the baseball league. I, I, yes, it was. Yeah. Where, bo- yeah, bo- both also masculine characters, both masculine char- characters that are much more softer and emotional and this is something that you also once again see in their clothing Shangwa using the blue jacket and and the young kid having that that baseball attire which where the prominent color is white and then you have the self-sacrifice aspect where which comes to play with 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 the homeless person and also with Sangwa and the main character, who in the course of the film also sacrifice themselves in the benefit of the others. And there, there is with 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 the selfless selfless sacrifice, you also have the clothing theme co- going on, which you kind of can see how how the clothing on the main character changes as he starts to go through the emotional journey in, in, in the in course of the film. Like, the main character's true goal, uh, emotional core, the main goal is, of course, get your daughter to so- Seoul, but 
the emotional goal is to learn how to reconcile between these different and at times even contradictory aspects uh, of of manhood in order to become a, kind of a, a truer man. And this kind of the first mirrors that you get with this trans, uh, transformation is that when the main character Seokwu is first being introduced to the rest of the group of, of survivors and also in, in the beginning of the film, the, the compa he is being compared to spineless leeches. Uh, Sangwa actually die, literally draws the person uh, when he says that, that Se Seokwu just leeches off from other people. So there is that parallel being drawn. And in the course of the film, he starts to become more active person. He starts to fight back and, and they grow within the group of survivors. He also starts to become more emotional and forgiving. He starts to risk his own life to, to help others. He starts to understand the emotional drives that other characters have. He even starts to be more kind of a forgiving as he forgives, for example, the homeless person when homeless person fucks up in the train. And in the end, he reaches that self-sacrifice level, which, okay, with Seokwu's case is kind of a lesson as, as his own daughter's life is on the line. But, but still, he, he, at the end of the film, he does make the sacrifice. And as he's doing this emotional journey, also his clothing starts to change. He, he starts with the, the black business attire. Then when he starts to become more emotionally whole, he actually loses the jacket. Now, now his clothing being the straight pants and white shirt. And at the final point, when these characters reach the self-sacrifice level, they all kind of have lost a piece of clothing and become more rugged in, in they appear. The, the homeless person is, is rugged and kind of disheveled from the beginning. Seokbu loses the jacket and also gets his, his white, pure white shirt dirtied up before his time is up. And, and also Sangwa takes the jacket off and is just on purely with his t-shirt before he has to make that sacrifice. And to me, this is kind of the main theme, that the running theme, emotionally-wise, that goes on with the characters, and the main kind of a, the main statement that the film wants to say through its main character. Oh, by the way, I have I have no regrets at all that we are looking at the third Joyshik film in this podcast here. This is the baseball bat-wielding guy from the high school team. And and, and and here I was wondering, why is it that that Curry, who openly has voiced out his kind of a dislike with, with zombie films, all of a sudden is pushing us to go through the entire trilogy? <laughs> it's worth it, just for this film. Okay, but it's kind of like you already explained it, but let me put it in different terms, perhaps. I feel that there's like three different levels in this films in terms of characters. There is the ones that sacrifice themselves for the others, the empathetic characters. Then there is the, the father 
who is kind of dangling in between something. He is kind of the the kind of the the one who calls his associates as lemmings and mistreats people and is uh, looking for his own benefit, which has most probably caused his uh, breakup with with the with the uh, with the mother and all that. But this is kind of his learning story, and he finally at the end of the film has fulfilled his duty as a, as a father and, and and kind of has i think told or shown to his daughter that yes i was able to be the the, the father that you want me to be and not only that of course he genuinely cares really about the daughter and then there is the absolute almost insanity level assholes on the third level for example the coo which goes even to absurd lengths as we will see in the scene where where he is also throwing the the girlfriend so to speak of the choice six character to the zombies for really no reason at all yeah that was the kill that made no 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 <laughs> sense for me either i i did kind of, kind of understand his rationality when when he sacrifices the conductor yeah. To the to the horror, but when it came to the girlfriend, <laughs> there's a lot of foreshadowing here noted by several outlets. "Quote: You must finish what you start." Yeah, yeah. Which happens in the car. There is ash falling down. Of course, if you want to go to insane levels of parallel f- hunting, you could say that. The ash is falling from the sky because this might be a reference to the head teacher of the school who committed suicide. Was it two or three year, uh, days later after the incident? And left a suicide note where he, she said that she wants her ash, ashes to be sprinkled at the location at the sea where the incident happened. So in heaven she can at least possibly be their teacher. But... Maybe not that deep vibes here. Yeah, my my kind of a go-to read with with the ash was was this apocalyptic punish punishment from God take that that or, or that's how I'm mostly ready. Right. Yeah, we are introduced to the well. We have the train introductions. We hop on the Kadex train. We have the crew introductions, we have the baseball team, the high school students, so to speak. So essentially I find that the baseball team is the Sewell high school students with only a few survivors. Well, actually no survivors at all, but at least for a moment we have two survivors who die near near the end. So the lady arrives to the, the train with the beaten leg, nobody at the door to check her ticket or anything. And we get this kind of NRL rugby tackle of one of the conductors who stays at the station. Of course, only one to witness that is the little girl, girl Suan. There is the gross negligence of the injured passenger. Nobody really bats an eye. She goes through an entire train car and nobody does anything. It's only until one of the crew members notices she having these convulsions on the floor. Father kind of neglecting her child, his child in the beginning because she has left the adjacent seat and gone to who knows where, 
where, well, she's looking for the toilet. Also, we have these two older ladies, quote, people nowadays will riot over anything. In the old days, they'd be re-educated, end quote. Back to the gulags, you zombie freaks. Yeah, that... When I said that there there are more themes going on with this one than was with the previous film, even though, once again, this is this is one of those blink and you miss it moments this is most definitely just one line in in the movie but i i do kind of a tip my hat for the director for I- including the line here and alluding to what i i personally believe is the uh, samchung re-education camp and the, the south korean somewhat somewhat hazy history when it, when it comes to treating your own civilians, uh, your own citizens, and all together kind of a working as a, as a country and as a, as a nation. Uh, South Korea quite often in uh, especially in western countries is being given the benefit of, of a doubt. Kind of a, like constantly. And Granted, that's kind of easy for us to do, because thanks to the whole peninsula situation, we, we can easily draw the narrative that there is the the modern and progressive good guy South Korea, and then you have the backwoods spawn of Satan North dynamic. And sticking with this dynamic, it's it's easy to kind of blind yourself to the, the fact that well, South Korea also has a bit of a checkered past when it comes comes to it. Like they, 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 they were, so, so for the longest time, South Korea also was pretty damn poor. It wasn't the technical haven it's it's today, and there is a, like a litany and long history of of South Korean leadership, which often worked yeah, pretty much in, in the same way as, as tyranny and and the leader was changed by, well, whoever managed to pull the coup this time or whoever managed to survive, survive the assassination. So, got the South Korea we have today. It, it, it's not the South Korea that we had back in the 40s or, or the 60s. Um, yeah. Okay, I I saw this more simply as a kind of a snappy, more conservative take, kind of a depicting the older generation of South Korean spirit raising its head here via this character. Because what kind of was uh, juxtaposed after the MV Sewell incident was that at oh, it's the kind of a old world, the 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 old people who vote for the conservatives and. We need more liberal, liberal voices here, said the youth of South Korea. But, of course, it could be something more. Yeah, I, I read it more into the re-education camp thing, like, literally. I kind of laughed when I heard that North Korea had actually commented on the film that it's a very accurate depiction of the societal uh, situation in South Korea today. And, well... I don't know if North Korea has a fantastic track record on human rights or human decency either. And... No, but but something that North Korea often remarks back to 
and what perhaps was was the driving motive behind behind that statement also is is the fact that there appears to be a discrepancy between the, the emotional connections that people have in 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 south and in in north the general north korean narrative which is being echoed by the people who have left north korea and defected to to south is that ever since the, the economic miracle of south korea which is the time period after which the south korea we know today kind of came to be south koreans have lost the connection within the families that they have become too obsessed about about money about status about material gain um overall everything to do with capitalism and as as a as a side effect of, of this uh, there the kind of the fam- family connection has been lost to a point where these days the, the families are not that tight the kids don't really feel that closely uh, close to their parents which is something that currently is is also uh, feeding into south korean's elderly poverty and elderly homelessness because uh, once again there, there is there is that uh, that that notion driving all, all back all those decades ago that that once the parents grow old, the, the kids are supposed to start to support them and start to take care of them. And now, as as the kids and the younger generation is is more and more economically driven, and and the bond between a parent and a child and and a countryman and a country countryman has has been broken as a result. The kids are no longer taking actually care of their their parents and their elderly meaning yeah. that the elderly once they are too old for the work life they are kind of a stuck in the place where they don't have any strong social security and what they have is what the government is able to give them which is as i've come to understand not that much like we are talking about a couple of hundred dollars a month this, I feel, if anything, this film is a tug of war between so-called the old values, the old world, where where we are supposed to take care of one another, and then this more money-driven, selfish and greedy type of world. And I don't know if it's really fair to, to put this uh, juxtaposed like, like this, but I think this is essentially what the director is, is aiming at. And... Well, I guess there's different ways to approach this. I think in Finland, we now now do something that where the social welfare is working in such of a great way that kind of the social welfare is the the mill that is taking care of that those those elderly people as the younger generation, maybe the more money driven generation, is working their butts off and not being able to slash, maybe not motivated enough to help their elderly sadly yeah that, that is that, that there's a lot to criticize in in the finnish system and there, there's also a lot to say about the finnish social social security for for certain uh but i i do also echo the the sentiment that 
it, it is better in, in Finland than in a lot of other countries. And, and for that I, I am quite, uh, quite grateful myself also. But, but uh, when it came to the, the comments made by North Korea, I, I kind of, uh, I believe that this would perhaps be the, the aspect where they were kind of alluding to with, with those comments. Mm-hmm. Because, because this kind of a disrepresentation, because this, this broken line of care and togetherness is something that kind of runs very strongly throughout the film. Yeah, it's probably something that North Korea wants to present itself as being kind of those traditional family values. And, but the, the poverty kind of then not making it even happen and with your tyrann- tyrannical government runnings and all that. But but kind of on the paper it looks nice and maybe we have lost something in in that kind of a selfish... Uh, or in a, in a way we should go perhaps back to some of the traditional values. What I hear now on the streets, the way that people talk is that, oh, that's that's what was before, and uh, this is the modern life. And that's it, that we don't need to take care of the elderly and etc. Uh, yeah, it, it, it has gone more and more into that direction, and I kind of feel that that's, that's what you get in the end with capitalism. One way or the another, the, the notion has been also raised up in, in Finland that, like you said, we are forgetting our elderly and we are leaving them behind. We are willing to drive them off into the cares, elderly care centers and just leave them there and perhaps visit them a couple of times a, times a year. During Christmas, if we just can find a gosh darn time, hmm. and on top of that, we have kind of this this sentiment uh, sentiment rising rising up that you shouldn't help others unless there is something for you to gain in the act of doing so. Why should you help your parents unless there is something for you to gain from it? It's it's completely okay that that you you work for the family farm because at some day you are going to inherit it. So you are kind of a working for yourself. You are building your own future. But if you don't have the farm, then why should you see the trouble? Yeah, moving on to this governmental statements in the film, which I think the most or some of the the biggest echoes from. The Suoli incident, I think, are found here. Also kind of perhaps blink and you miss it territory. Quote, we must stay calm and trust our government as we all work together facing this current crisis. To the best of our knowledge, your safety is not in jeopardy. End quote. Coming from the TV news. Something that happened during the Suoli incident was famously that the government fed some information which was then parroted by several news outlets even to the level of informing the parents of the kids that everything was all right and every, everybody was saved. So a comment on misinformation, not being able to trust in, in, in your government. Governmental mistrust, mishandling, corruption, whitewash, that kind of themes laid out here. Yeah, with these, these te- themes, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a mix exactly how strong they are. Uh, what 
caught my eye the most was the moments when the the media and the, the innovation, uh, also the society labels the zombies as as a rioters and labels the, the outbreak as as just a political riot and there's kind of a two ways with this uh, there are of course in in the films uh, in the defense of the film society uh, zombie outbreaks are something you kind of can't prepare for so it we so with that in mind it's kind of understandable that the government of the film at at the first glance would mistake the zombies as as some kind of a riot because the, the idea of it being a zombie epidemic should be so alien to us as as zombies as we all know is is nothing more than popcorn entertainment that well, like understanding that what we are dealing with is a zombie apocalypse, uh, it really shouldn't come to your mind except way later when the situation is already too difficult to handle. But the other take that you can actually see here is is the quite often put off political stunt that the the political leadership just quickly pins the the opposition they face with some kind of a code word which is supposed to automatically kind of gain them the, the trust of the public and, and kind of a driven the, the, the general public against whatever opposition it is you face, kind of in the Manchurian candidate style. Uh, one of one being that, like, like in the film, you label whoever you disagree with as, as rioters, or you label them anarchists, or communists, or any, any given trigger word, which, which often are played in real life to, to kind of rob the ground from your opposition. This, is, this being something that you also unfortunately have at times seen in Finland, where for example our local poli police force has put the stunt of when they have been justifying any excess of power or uh, excess in in usage of power simply by stating that well we were targeting the anarchists or or the communists back in the later the, uh, back, back in the earlier days and wh whenever you are actually called out on this behavior and you are being pointed out that what you were actually targeting of where where any any kind of a political group like like the leftists or or social democrats or you name it the the go-to response usually is well okay yeah that was our mistake we were trying to target the anarchists the Finnish police actually use force I suppose you've been having some fun in some anarchist movements as of late I I confess to nothing. But yeah, of of course they do use mm. occasionally. I, I I'm like once again to to international listeners, also to home base, because goddamn if this is not a parliamentary discussion to have. But no, I'm I'm not making the case that that we are living in 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 I don't know northern United States. Finland is is not U.S. 
We we don't have open firefights on the streets every Sunday. But naturally, of course, uh, police always has been uh, 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 on the side uh, of the uh, citizens. Uh, well, it uh, it, uh, it has always been a political entity that uses force that has been granted to it. And with that, of course, you always get the occasional excess when it comes to the to the usage of force. Right. But if we slightly return to the theme of the father, let's quote. If we get back to the film, yeah, <laughs> of, of all goddamn things. With pleasure. Quote. You didn't have to do this. At a time like this, only watch out for yourself. Harasso, end quote. Kind of, once again, showing that the character is in between places or not even so much. But I, I, I understand his perspective. His priority here is to defend his own kid from all the other people. And this is the natural reaction to things. And we have discussed these kind of scenes in so many films before. But once again. Yeah, yeah. I, I too, I... I, I do make the case that when it comes to to or logically wise, mo most of the asshole things that happen in the film actually make sense. Like when when right. you look at them from from the side of, of purely logic, self preservation, I must protect my kid, yada 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 point of view. Uh, most of the the quote unquote correct or right things that, that happened in the film happened because of emotional reason. Because I feel that doing this is, is right. Because this is what I believe in. So is the kid actually too nice, too friendly for his environment to be, for her environment to be realistic? I uh, kind of would say no. Uh, based on the fact that, that she is a kid, uh, also the fact that as the film showcases to you, she is pretty blue-eyed when it comes to the world in general. So it kind of is, is keeping with, with her character that she would act so nice. And I, I can believe that this type of person also in real life would act pretty much the same way. Just as much as I can e easily see and understand the logic and motivations behind, for example, uh, the acts that the COO pulls in the course of the film. Now, not in counting that one time when he goes and feeds the girlfriend to the zombies. Mm. That was kind of overkill. But, but outside of that, I can actually see the logical and rational justification behind his actions. Well, in, in a way, if you look at the COO from the Sewell perspective, as, as the captain was charged for murder and locked in cell for, was it over 30 years, the way that he escaped as one of the first persons, or if not the first person from the ship leaving everybody behind, that is, that is plain, really murder, manslaughter. And in a way... In a way, the COO is reflecting it right here. Kind of, it's almost equivalent to pushing people to the zombies for no reason at all. Uh, I don't know. I, I would say when, when the ship is sinking, you have a very good reason to leave the ship. Uh, where it went to south was with, with, well, captain being the captain. 
he and the, uh, the captain of the ship and the crew members of the ship were are not supposed to leave the ship uh, as as the first persons to abandon the ship especially if if your previous action has been to tell the innocent passengers to stay put and just you know that everything is is dandy that's where the problem problem really come came from for the captain and the crew members but with that out of the way is is it logical and rational to save yourself from the sinking ship most definitely yes is it rational and logical to be to aim to be the first one to get into the safety boats yeah once again yeah that's that's kind of an in keeping of self preservation you want to get the first seat in that situation and had 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 this only been the passengers like had the situation not been that he was the captain and they were the crew members all of the, this would have been actually societally acceptable and not criminally punishable it's it's once once again the problem really stems from their status in the situation who they were and and the unfortunate fact that just previously they went on the loudspeaker and and stated that there is nothing wrong that that obviously was was a fuck up yeah well it is fine to abandon ship as one of the leading crew members of your ship if you are watching a bond film and the lead character will take the carver media news group helicopter out and it will be a fantastic show but in this universe maybe not such a fantastic show and were i the captain lee that abandoned ship like this how could i possibly live with myself anymore after that carrying that the guy is as far as I know, still carrying that pain inside of him, rotting in some cell for the rest of his life. Then, then again, then again, guilt in itself is an emotion. If if we would be approaching this from purely on on you know pure logic standpoint, that that would that would be a fault in your brain, and you should fix that. Get those pesky emotions out of there. Absolutely. If the pesky emo- emotions would have been out of there, all of the people would have been saved. In, in... Mo- 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 um, perhaps, perhaps not. It depends ha- what the, your ha- driving motive is. You have to have some motive for existing. Well, for existence... Or some ground rules. We have talked about it before. We we have we have and I I'm still actually you know purely based on our previous discussion <laughs> discussions I I'm trying to wrap my head around how can you take this stance why aren't you with the captain in in this situation if your goal is survival only for yourself then of course you will just save yourself but from a purely let's say kind of a lemmings standpoint if you will if you quote the film. Then, then you would save the people and put them before you. Because once, once again, that that's that's a moral and emotional response. You, you do that because you feel that that's the right thing to do. You do that so that you can live with yourself, not be haunted by the guilt. Right, but if you if you, uh, well, I think you need some ground rules to operate in, in this world, and one of the most I, I, fi- foundation blocks is that. Uh, if you think that suffering is wrong, then 
the most logical way is to remove as much suffering as possible. That would be saving all the people on board. And fuck yourself because you're only one life. Uh, but, 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 like this, to me this sounds awfully like that that you are doing, you're now basing your life's ground rules on, on emotional factors. And I, I, I'm kind of, a, I'm, I'm just trying to prevent this from happening here. Like, did it, did it we... It's uh, not for everybody, fine. Establish it already that, that I'm, I'm supposed to be, in this podcast, I'm supposed to be the, the emotional beta cock, and you are the IBM. Pretty much. Yeah. So, so stay over your own goddamn territory, man. <laughs> leave, leave these emotionally based foundations of life to me, yeah. and and you just go on and and kill a boatload of people. Oh, I, I thought you were the one killing boatload of people, <laughs> at least theoretically. You 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 walk okay. You were just at, uh, showing that as a one possible way to react. I I'm I, I'm still making the argument that when when it comes to to acting on pure logic. Like a cold hard logic and rationality. Right. In in that case, fuck all the other people. If no. if 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 you are being a huge fucking pussy and all around softy, in in that case, yeah, you know, you kind of a, are bound to follow the emotional core in in your decision making, and that would lead into the road of saving other people and most likely also sacrificing yourself in the process if it comes to that. Yeah, sure. But if your goal is to minimize suffering, which is kind of the ground rule of any living species, then at least when when you are like a lemmings type of animal as people are, then I would rather... The most logical version of what you would do without kind of your emotions clouding your judgment, you would save the people before yourself. Minimizing the suffering of others still is an emotional response. Perhaps, or it's kind of like a that's that's that that's what you do as a species if if you want to survive onwards. So it's I think that would be the most natural response. Emotional but, but, response, okay. Well, but but as an as an individual, you are not really in at the helm of you know sa- saving the saving the goddamn species. Mm-hmm. Your 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 responsibility. Once again, once again, talking on this uh, on the viewpoint of pure cold hard logic. Your first responsibility is for yourself because, well, uh, naturally, like because you, your life is is your life. If if you lose the life, you gotta end, and that's that's self destructive behavior. And there, there really is, is no logical rea- reason for self-destructive behavior. Well, it's, the, once again, the, self-destructiveness is, is an emotional-based based action. Uh, at the same time, there is no logical way that you would choose to rather survive your by yourself and instead let... If you would have to choose between killing one million people or yourself, uh, I would kill myself. And I, I, I would, I, I would, I would come to, to, to your grave in that moment, most likely as one, one of those, you know, one million people who were saved, because most likely I'm also meant to fuck my life to a point where my well-being is also on the line. So now, thanks for that, thanks for saving my ass, but, but still, I would come to your grave and be like, Curry, what the fuck? 
That that was not rational thing to do. But but Henrik, I would leave to rot. <laughs> now, 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 that actually might be rational and logical response. I must give you that much. <laughs> your, your time on this podcast would be so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But there are these weird calls throughout the film. The Lemmings contacts. Quote, once you arrive, you'll be quarantined. So... Our lead character, the father, has a lot of interesting contacts that are not really in any way established, but uh, he has some random contacts from the military, for example, and he offers a real scoop if they don't get quarantined and get some instructions to avoid being quarantined and they stop at the station and and uh, the business dude establishes himself as the CEO of the Stallion Express, supposedly some kind of a parcel delivery company, which raises a lot of questions. Because when I watched this film for the first two times, I was pretty much convinced that this is kind of the CEO or something of the sorts of the train company, because that would make the most sense that how is this person so much in charge here of everything? Like, sure, he has some financial high ground, but it's not working even for this company. Why are they following this guy all the way? Because, because he, he shouts all, all, all the goddamn time. Uh-huh. Problem solved. Could it just be that kind of the reason for the excellent response to COVID in South Korea has been because the government and the people have learned something from incidents such as civil and MERS epidemic? What do you think? Uh, could be, even though I must confess that I'm not really that familiar with with how South Korea is dealing with COVID. Yeah. Like I I, I do admit that, for example, statistically wise, uh, Finland also is is doing pretty good job when, when it comes to COVID. Our, our our statistics also are pretty low. H- Henrik, Finland is an empty country. Yeah, yeah, that that factors into it. Uh, also, the fact that we are much smaller country, and also the fact that, uh, like, geographically we are in the ass end of of nowhere. Uh, where I would say that, for example, in in Finland, the, the the biggest struggle for us when it comes to dealing with the COVID pandemic is is in how we handle the situation emotionally. And that, that's uh, that's what I'm kind of kind of a calling back to when I say that I'm not really entirely in the know of how well South Korea is is dealing with the pandemic at the moment. Like, what 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 is their emotional state when they are facing the pandemic? If 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 they kind of a, are emotionally based and are just pushing through this, no no major la- like lapses. Well, in, in that case, yeah, I, I could b- believe that this might be a result of them facing na- national disasters before and kind of a gaining some type of a emotional strength from those. Right. We are heading for the kind of a biggest battle inside the train, really, where young Cook, played by Chushik, is faced fighting the old baseball teammates of his. Pretty rough and easy to see kind of parallels to 
Sewol in, in a way. I like this back back and forth banter that we get on the train between the characters. I like that there is this still in the times of distress, this great sense of humor, especially from this other father. Quote something like, I saved your kids, you are are you grateful for me? And then why is your ringtone so tacky? What's wrong with it? How do I change it? And then Shoshik just laughing at the situation. And dads get all the shit and no praise. Building bridges at this moment with the so-called asshole character. And continues, but it's all about sacrifice, right? What's with the look? Did I sound cool? This is a quite lovable scene. I noticed that when they're going through the luggage compartment during the tunnel, nobody's helping the poor guy down. And everybody pays for that because after that, which is not really his fuck up because nobody was there to help him, he steps on the can, which would have not happened if they had taken care of the guy. Yeah, kind of, kind of. They, they waste too much time because, once again, they, they leave the homeless person to, to come down from the luggage shelf himself. And kind of the development of the language, the way that the other father, the father of the pregnant woman, calls the, the father of Suan or Sokwu. It goes from asshole to jerk to buddy to jerk. I kind of love that. And father is starting to become the man that he has aspired to be. Baby name revelation. Kind of a dear jerkerish moment. But followed by a sister wanting to be eaten by zombies for no reason at all. Just stands there on the doorway. I cannot understand what is going through this woman's mind. Possibly nothing at all. I I took that moment the uh, uh, the way that the sister at that point she loses the kind of a, her respect towards the other pe- per- people on that train. So like she 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 has been locked in this this e- e- extremely dangerous situation has barely managed to survive it with the help of 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 a handful of other survivors. They're with her, and now she sees that, well, what the rest of the train, and and with that notion, humanity has to offer for her in in, in the future is is just, you know, this, this uncaring, cold attitude. Uh, then again, it's those gold-hearted people who saved her just moments earlier. And, well, uh, the the ones who saved her were were the the warm and caring people. The the handful of them who now are who who the rest of the train passengers now are trying to keep away from the train car that they are. And this and in doing so, they are risking this small group's lives. They they even directly caused the death of. Of the other dad who who dies when he he desperately tries to keep the zombie horde from advancing. And once this new zombie smacking baseball team gets to the same compartment or car as the rest of the survivors, we get this connecting point once again with Soul. I I would say that this is one of the quite most clear cut moments, albeit dialogue that is bound to happen in a situation like this this quote why did you do it you bastard we could have saved them and he smacks the coo 
on his face. And uh, one of the Sewell High School victims shouted stuff on a rescued cell phone video recording. And in uh, somewhat what sounded already like a confused state of his, he said also that roughly that he'd like to punch the captain and that he is now dying because of him. So I found this much of a parallel. And this is kind of a his dream coming true. Now the guy gets beaten up. And now the other sister lets the rest the zombies in while the baseball wielding survivors now are locked in the next compartment or the vestibule. So they are safe while the rest are struggling to survive. Somehow the CO survives even this incident for now. Yeah, that that's a small miracle really in in the film. Right. Once again, these calls, and here's the, you know, call with analyst Kim, who says that Busan has succeeded in primary defense, and this incident started at YS Biotech, the centerpiece of our plan. But it's kind of fuzzy, the details of well, kind of what plan, and but somehow he is supposed to be responsible in a way. Or... Yeah, it, it's also never actually made clear how the, uh, the outbreak happened and started what what was the chemical that leaked outside and who actually is the patient zero here after which the father is washing blood off his hands literally the father who has been quite negligent well the train driver announces he will look for another locomotive and now Jungkook's girlfriend gets infected thanks to the COO and Jungkook gets bitten as well he has kind of given up, and they die, or zombify, turn together. They have been shutting the doors pretty well up to this point, but now, for some reason, it's not happening in two instances. At 1.36, there are people stuck between the two sidetrack train cars. Well, I can find this kind of analogous to the high school kids stuck in their cabins while their cabin windows were about to disappear underwater as the... Fishing boats were trying to, and whatnot, were trying to help them. The train here also is tilted in a similar angle and finally crashes to its final angle on its side. But unlike Seoul Station, I feel that Train to Busan gives us some hope regarding humanity. It, it, it turned out that kind of a me also being in the middle of the lake in the last episode was more than fitting for that. Taking into it into account the whole Sewell. Does the Sewell incident and now knowing about it improve Soul Station in your eyes in any way? No. You you ask and that that's the answer. Nope. 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 Yeah. I mean I mean not much. Perhaps it's more understandable how the film ends in such of a murky circumstances. <laughs> I feel that that's uh, once again he kind of stretching it too far mm. the, the film even wasn't that fucked up so the train kind of fully capsizes and sinks in a sense and we get the iconic poster running shot the train boss or the COO zombifies of course and daddy gets bitten father sacrificing himself for the others or something or just feeds his hand to the COO bite here 
yeah, it that 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 scene is is quite a mess. Like up until that point, uh, the, the the remaining survivors they have come to understand the situation pretty well. They do understand that it, these are, really are zombies, and once again, it's one fight and you are gone type of situation. And then, when when the dad is fighting with the COO, now zombified, it, it almost it almost looks like the dad is like feeding his hand to the COO. It is. I was kind of hoping for something more clear situation that maybe. The guy would jump from on from on top of the locomotive where there would be no possibility to defend himself because up until this point everything was going so smoothly and now what is this yeah but he fa- sacrifices himself at least and uh, with his last strengths he remembers with glee the reasons why it was all worth it and we get really somber somber music and i really really like this scene it's of course, it's. I think it just works emotionally speaking. Mm, what scene exactly? Dad getting bitten in the hand. That that remembering his kind of a first born or when the kid was a baby. Yeah, that that's uh, that pretty much is is the tear jerker scene for this film. And it works. It. You you, you it, the scene starts and you immediately notice that. This scene has put here simply to jerk the tears from the audiences. Uh, with that out of the way, yeah, I, I do admit it. It is pretty effective, pretty strong scene. Yeah, what I was expecting here is for the girl and the pregnant woman to get shot by the soldiers in the vein of Night of the Living Dead, but fortunately, that's not the case. Followed by the yeah. Aloha Oe song. Yeah, closing the film also with an ending that I I kind of feel has a lot to say. Like like you pointed point out, the uh, hello the song being sung here by by the daughter is is Aloha Away. And in in this scene, uh, Aloha Away translated in English uh, means farewell to thee. Mm. And in the context of the film. Yeah, that that's meant for for the daughter to sing to to her dad as 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 this loving act, remembering say, saying farewell to to her father, farewell to see my my dad. But the the song chosen for for this occasion, Aloha Oe, is is something that actually has very strong. And rich political background. It was originally composed by Queen Liliu Kalani, mm. the last monarch of the Kingdom of Hawaii, back in 1878, uh, just before Kingdom of Hawaii was annexed to United States. Mm. And I strongly believe that the director was very well into the know of, of the historical and political background that Aloha Oe has. And the, the original annexation 
was a result of the mostly United States themselves and the foreigners living in Hawaii at the time organized a coup d'etat to overthrow Liliu Kalani and to end her reign. Um, and my take and understanding of the situation was that is that the main reason for them to do so was most likely not so much to do with the whole concept of of monarchy, but uh, with Liliu Kalani's kind of leftist notions, like that also the poor people should be able to vote. The treatment of the poor by the system and the elite kind of be, being where we started with this franchise in, in Soul Station, and what we have been tackling, even though a bit lesser degree also in here, in Train to Busan, with the homeless guy. So, with that, uh, with that out of the way, Aloha Oi, there, there is also kind of a, there's an essence of, I, I would say, political sadness. With the song that is being mirrored by the director here to tackle the the larger societal themes in his movie, and more so uh, and more specifically the kind of a feeling of a lost chance for freedom and individual sovereignty that the characters now lose at the the closing shots of the film. Or farewell to the the ideal version of South Korea that the director uh, wants to see. Uh, pretty much, yeah. And farewell to the uh, the uh, the ability and and the chance to be truly free for the characters. See, uh, during the train ride, um, or back in the train for a moment for the characters of the film there was a real challenge for societal collapse that south korea as a nation and as a society would collapse due to the zombie outbreak this is kind of what 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 they see during the train journey as as they as the train passes the the old train stops the, the cities uh, that these characters know by name that they have visited, that they, the cities that the characters know what they are supposed to be like and how they are supposed to operate on, during an, in, in no, normal situations. And now that they are passing through them, they are kind of a graveyards, abandoned of, by the people and, uh, and what they see is, is the cities collapsing. The ash raining from the sky and the buildings being on fire. Mm-hmm. So with that, you you are shown the possibility that that this whole South Korea is engulfed in flames, and and the whole society would kind of meet its end with, with the outbreak. And even though even though the train most definitely is a violent helpit for the characters, and it. Often, and it does bring kind of the, the the worst possible side of these characters out. But that's pretty much the and even 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 when the situation where they found themselves couldn't exist completely without a surrounding society, the train, 
the, the train operator, the, actually the entire railway system exists purely because there has been a society that has built them and, you know, created the train operator job. But still, in that moment, they are existing in a kind of a bubble. The South Korean society can't reach them. And the rules of the, of South, of the South Korean society, they are no longer at play inside the train. Like, they are, they are very much living outside of the system. And with that, as bad as the situation in the, in the train is, there is kind of a chance that this, this could lead into a new kind of a society. Perhaps a society where you wouldn't be spitting on a homeless person five times a day. More, more violent, yeah, but also perhaps a bit more healthier society. Yeah. And at the at the end of of the film, you are actually shown that no, no, so South Korean society actually survives. It didn't collapse. South Korean society was something that openly embraced capitalism. It it gave birth to a characters like the asshole COO. It mistreated the poor and the homeless. It kept the dad Seokbu in in the office. And celebrated the company that that made huge profits, and also also on the side note, caused the whole goddamn zombie outbreak. And the society doesn't collapse. The society behind all of this, it stays, it still stays true. And at the very end, there is very literal barricade behind which the society now comes with guns in hand to drag back, back the rest of the survivors back inside of its walls. And of course, of course, there will be in in this film's universe there will be some repercussions for what happened. Like the company at Ford the, or the factory at Ford, it will be made a bad guy naturally, and all the other companies and factories in South Korea will get a very sturdy. You guys better not go causing another zombie outbreak. I'm okay. Type of, type of lecture and and something in the vein of, you know, I, I don't know, Lipkak laws being established to, to prevent another outbreak ever ever happening. But nothing in the film itself actually hints that there would ever be any more profound societal change. Like, the businesses will start to boom eventually. And there will, now there will be a hell of a lot of free real estate for people to live in. But anybody who still would manage to be poor and homeless in this society, well, well, like before, fuck that guy. The society does not change for the better. And if, if the society keeps going on with this kind of a self-destructive pattern, it kind of is just a, a, a question of time. How much time will it take? until there will be a next out- outbreak through some other mean. And and when that happens, the government will once again be there claiming that, well, it's a, the political dissidents rioting. And I kind of took it that that was uh, the, the kind of a second meaning for, for Aloha A at, at the end. It's, it's also farewell to thee, uh, perhaps... A better, yet, albeit a much more violent, 
but most definitely more freer quotation mark society. Yeah, we have a situation of great distress, something akin to 9-11, where people uh, are going through this uh, collective PTSD after, well, oh my god, is this actually kind of a hat tip for Conchita Worst, this uh, entire film? Uh, If you go by the lyrics, rise like a phoenix out of the ashes, seeking rather than vengeance retribution well or just i've felt that it's kind of a the re-emergence of the same society with more awareness at least for a couple of weeks that you should appreciate your elderly and your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones until you forget it again yeah and i i in in the film's universe and in the story that Trent Busan presents to you, I saw nothing that would promise me that this that, that the south korea of of this film's universe would not actually forget it again after a couple of months or three years yeah maybe North Korea should be giving some evening lessons on that <laughs> well. Funny you say that, because the next film in the franchise would be Peninsula. Yeah, which, which also also has has one thing to say about the relationship between South and North. Oh boy! Does it really? As far as I can remember, this film is taking entire place inside South Korea, regardless of the name Peninsula. And when you mentioned the the boat element in the film. That is like five minutes, boom, gone. There's. It, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Yeah. But th- this film doesn't even have a boat. <laughs> when did you become some so absolutist when it comes to vehicles when conveying the message of the film? I I actually saw, when it comes to the incident, I actually saw the same parallels also in, in Peninsula. Okay, really interesting because offhand I can't really say that it had anything anymore to do with Sewell. But so let's see. I yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a bit on the on the different side here. I would say what that from these two films, that is the one where the soul is is more apparent. Did you see it already? No. Yeah I actually checked it oh. yesterday. Oh Alright. Yeah, well, like mentioned prior, in my quickest section for tonight, a favorite performance would go to Kim Suan playing Suan, actually. She was a really, really, really refreshingly great child actor. Yeah, I I, I chose Dan Siok Ma, who plays the other dad, Sang Wa. Mm? Our favorite shot would probably steer into the direction of the money shot in the... Tr- where the train is kind of capsizing and and our stars are running away from the hordes, perhaps only because I have an emotional connection with the poster. It's it's quite rememberable. Yeah, I I do also choose the same shot pretty much because that's the shot you see in the posters, so it's easiest to remember. And when it goes to favorite scene sections, uh, I really kind of uh, go back in my mind always to the infected station when they are. Once again, starting the train, and they are almost leaving the Joy Sheik's character and the rest behind the rod, but they manage to board it. 
To me, the favorite scene is is the moment when the group arrives to Daichon, and there is they, they are on the escalator going down, and they slowly start to piece the clues that something is wrong here when they see the bloody riot shield and other other such gear. All right. Well, how about how would you go with your favorite line of tonight? It was an absolute goddamn nightmare because once again, not quotable film at all. The, the the best I I was able to squeeze out of it, and this this most definitely was me squeezing it out of the film, would be the line you already actually mentioned that get dads get all the bad rap and no praise. I would go with the car ride when the ash is starting to fall down, and dad is looking at it by the intersection, looks at the ash and the fire trucks, then goes like, looks like something's happening. <laughs> <laughs> understatement of this film <laughs> my three adjectives would go with heart-wrenching topical and timeless yeah uh, i chose energetic claustrophobic which is quite quite uh, you know obvious is taking place in a, in a train and also sad but henrik would you recommend train to busan i actually would I I started the episode by stating that I don't understand the hype. I ended the episode stating that I don't understand the hype. I do feel that this this the film doesn't really do anything revolutionary, and all, everything that the film has to to offer to you is is basically stuff that you already seen in other, uh, also including Western zombie media. At times, I feel even done even better, e- even stronger. I, I I think that when it comes to so, so the societal messaging, for example, George Romero ha- made made it stronger, made it more clear. And when it comes to characters, I I've seen zombie films that have, in my opinion, better characters. When it comes to gore and and blood and guts, I've I've seen zombie films that that. I've done that better, and I, I do maintain I've seen zombie films that have done all the three of those aspects better than Train to Busan. That being out of the way, is Train to Busan a bad film? No, no, it, it, it's not. It's it's pretty damn good zombie film altogether. You don't have to be a revolutionary, and you don't have to be the first in in order to merit a recommendation. You you kind of have to. You have to be uh, be able to to state out what you want to say, uh, what you want to achieve with your film, and I think that Trade Busan does state it out. It it does reach it, even though a bit clumsily in my opinion, but it still manages to do it, and it still is quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of fun. So not the closest, not the biggest, not the most glowiest recommendation I've given here, but recommendation altogether. And a key word that you dropped there is fun. This movie is a hell of a lot of fun, and it keeps going like a locomotive. There is no moment there to pause and put on your coffee machine. It's enjoyable throughout, and it has, like you mentioned, those societal themes, and um, it's not a perfect movie in, in any sense, but it is a pretty damn fun movie and uh, some people have made the argument that this is 
really strong in the first act. I think there was actually like only one so-called uh, professional reviewer who, who say, stated that the first act was really strong and it was horrifying. And that's what the guy was uh, supposedly looking for. Whereas he said that it gets kind of cheapened when it gets to the second and the third act. And I would completely say the opposite because perhaps because my expectations were quite different. I wasn't expected to be scared. I was expected to be entertained and train to boost on the livers 100%. So yes. It does. Recommendation. You really know you're watching Train to Busan, Henry Quinn. Well, when you just got yourself eaten, because in Finland the train would have been three fucking hours late on its departure. <laughs> that is the goddamn truth. You really know you're watching Train to Busan when a high school baseball team decides to switch baseball team to a rugby team in the course of one train ride. If you'd like to know more about the underlying messaging here, the Sewell incident, or Sewell murder, you could say, you could start by watching the In the Absence documentary, which was nominated for an Oscar, which is uh, kind of like a timeline depiction in a very clear fashion of the events as they evolved. Let's just throw the lap coats on the zombies to win some time here. Yeah, and until next week when it's going to be Peninsula. Yeah. See you then. Okei. Mä oon... Tulin taas nerokkaasti. Mä tulin tämmösen tämmöselle laavulle, joka on tämmöisessä niemenkärjessä. Täällä nyt tänään tietenkin on helvetin kova tuuli, mutta laitoin puoliksi tämän mikin reppuun, niin ei jopa hetken harkitse, että hyppää Intercity-junaa, mutta sitten ajattelin, että ei näillä tuloilla.